thank you for joining us on another episode of Why Theory. As always, I am your host, Ryan Engley, joined as always by co-host Todd McGowan. Todd, how you doing, buddy? Hi, Ryan. Good to talk to you. Good to talk to you as well. And so today, this is the close of our uh, Deleuze series. Uh, Did someone which... say thank God or I know <laughs> I didn't hear anyone say that. <laughs> <laughs> I've had a lot of fun. I know you've had a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, it's yeah. been, it, it's been, I mean, a, a, a number of these uh, books I haven't uh, returned to since uh, grad school. So it was kind of cool to get into, um, especially some of this, uh, the, the, the cinema books, which we're going to talk about um, kind of at length um, that they are, I think maybe underplayed, um, for, uh, contemporary relevance, uh, like, like just, just very quickly. Like, I mean, like, I don't think that affect theory exists without the cinema books. Right. Uh, and, Interesting. and yeah. And, and I, and that's um, something that's uh, certainly affect theory in the way that Brian Masumi, uh, you know, obviously who is a, a theorist in his own right and translator of, um, Deleuze, right. And, uh, and Derrida, I think. Yep. Yep. Um, and so his, Affect theory is uh, premised uh, like largely on on movement and motion, and that I think like directly comes from uh, an engagement with the with the cinema books, and we're gonna tease that out. Um, but that's not all because we're gonna this do. This is this okay. is Deleuze après Guattari, right? After okay, Guattari. very nice, very nice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we're so we're after um, Guattari, which and we're extending that also to be like you know, even after, um, the, the end of, uh, Deleuze's life. So kind of uh, looking a little bit at the, the legacy, um, specifically as it relates to, um, engagement engagements with him through uh, psychoanalysis. And we're going to take a look at two books, uh, one, uh, organs without bodies. Um, wait, no. Yeah. 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 yeah okay. That's it. Yeah. Organs without bodies, uh, by Slavoj Žižek. And, and we're going to talk about, the, uh, again, um, the, the trouble with pleasure, um, uh, Deleuze and psychoanalysis, uh, Aaron Schuster's book. And we're going to look at this, like a couple, how, how do, um, m- more psychoanalytically inclined, uh, people work with, uh, Deleuze or, or recuperate his theory into a, a consideration of Lacan. And also, uh, what do they avoid is kind of going to be my take. Um, on, on, right. on this, uh, because there's, there's, there's a hard kernel of resistance that I think, um, it's, I don't know, there's an impasse that we will talk about a deadlock, if you will. Yes. Um, but before we get to that, because that's after, um, uh, Deleuze has published, let's talk a little bit about cinema. So what's the project here? There are two cinema books, two cinema books, the, the movement image and the time image, right? And so, most people think, and I think this is right, that those two books are linked together and that the one is leading into the other. So that the movement image is a description. I think description is probably the right word, a description of something that then gets surpassed or is mm-hmm. leading to this thing in the time image book that Deleuze himself thinks is more radical. So it's not like mm-hmm. each book has an equal weight. And I think that's an interesting way to... Mm. to go about something, right? Like it's a, it really is almost a narrative. It's a narrative of the history of cinema. And one, I think in a concrete sense, a movement from one type of film to another type of film. And he Mm. even thinks, he has this line in, in one of the books where he says, the break in cinema is not between the silent film and the talkie. Instead, it's between the movement image and the time image. So, which he thinks occurs around, early 1940s. So Citizen Kane is 41 and that's a mm-hmm. time image mm-hmm. time image film and and it's interesting because Hitchcock for him I think is the breach or the transition figure from 
the movement image to the time image. And then the time image would be, what would be included in that would be film noir, and especially, I think, Italian neorealism and then yeah. French new wave, I think is also very important for him. So that, so that's the, I haven't, of course, touched on the thesis of either of these books, but <laughs> right, the, right. that's just the basic, and I, which I think is in a way doing them justice because the main import of them, I think, ironically, is not their theses. Like the, mm-hmm. They've almost had more impact for what they're describing rather than for what they're arguing, which is, I think, because they're more descriptions than they are evident arguments. And I, I, you know, I've taught them both a couple mm-hmm. times in the past, and students have really had trouble. If I said, what is Deleuze arguing, they've had a lot of trouble saying what it is. And I, mm-hmm. so I think that's one thing we're going to try to pin down. And you know, to get at, I think we'll have to talk about both things, what he's describing yeah. and what he's arguing. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it's it's also um, I don't know. Do you think this is the um, here's here's an interesting thing. This could be potentially a feather in Deleuze's cap. Do you feel like this is one of the last um, film theory books that doesn't take um, that doesn't take for granted like a uh, like what what film is by that? I and this is what I mean by this is like. When I whenever I teach um, film theory, uh, it's 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 a students. I, I I always like inveigh upon students that like you have to cast your mind back to a time when film is a new thing, and that it is a, a, a real break in how to like see and understand something. So for like in early era, it's very much up for grabs. What is this new medium? What is it going to do? What is yeah. it about, right? And so, and yeah. and the first argument, right, with like Eisenstein and Russian, uh, you know, uh, formalists, and and then in, in like a, a, little, a little bit too in in Germany is like, oh, it's it's going to show you the mind, and it's where it's going to be cut and 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 montage, and we can get at things through the way that film is put together, through how we piece images together that we otherwise could never see, and right. we can represent. Um, you know, political and like psychic realities that otherwise we would not be able to see. So like, and that's like an idea of film that generally speaking, I, people don't walk around with anymore. Now it's like, well, what does this specific film say in terms of like its narrative content? And that's what right. like a film is about. So do you think that cinema one and two, some of the last engagements with, um, film, like as film theory that kind of has that, that older tie to it where it's like evaluating it, uh, uh, on, on like, like a medium level as like a kind of thinking. Yeah, I absolutely think that's a really great point. And I think, you know, the contrast with, so Eisenstein thinks it gives us politics in a way that is impossible outside the cinema because of its dialectical structure. And then you were referencing Hugo Munsterberg, I think, because his mm-hmm. idea is that it actually gives us an image of the mind through, mm-hmm. especially through cutting. And then, you know, Arnheim in film is art. His idea is basically it's giving us insight into this aspect of, of our lives that we otherwise couldn't see. And I think, I think you're absolutely right. Like even, I was just thinking about my own books on cinema. They all kind of take for granted that cinema is just an art mm-hmm. and that it, it's just saying something, right? Yeah. And it maybe it, even it kind of in, has these encounters with trauma that it, it, it navigates, but it's still, I'm just taking it for granted what it does. And I think mm-hmm. you're right that Deleuze doesn't do that. And in fact, 
I almost think that for Deleuze, cinema has a priority over philosophy. So mm. his books are almost, how can my thinking catch up with the insights that cinema has? Like cinema mm. understands better, I think he, he believes, than philosophy does. So, so the books are, so that's why they're not really arguing something so mm. much. They're really trying to grasp what is it that cinema does that our thinking can't even correctly do, right, or can't get mm-hmm. to. And I think he thinks cinema does something, and that's what he wants to try to get at in these two different books. Mm. So, okay, let's start with book one, okay, the moving right. image. What does cinema allow in this f- formulation? And then I think later we can because it, it is so he has the broader argument that I'm talking about that this is what we're going to lead into and then he has right. a, like kind of a more specific like there's large form and small form which we'll get to later but we'll get what, to that later yeah but yeah. but so so right and so the movement image is the way in which cinema can present so it it shows clearly it just depicts movement right mm-hmm. but it but it has the ability he thinks to depict what he calls aberrant movement so mm. this movement that's not programmed, like that breaks from what's mechanical, that that goes against what our expectation is. So we're moving. It's as, and I think for him, like it seems like to me, Chaplin or Keaton would be great examples of this, right? Like they're they're moving in one way, and then they move in this other way that you don't you couldn't anticipate. And mm-hmm. I think for him, that's really what the movement image is. It's this. It's the way. We can see, I'm almost tempted to say, an authentic movement, a movement, and I think this is a really important idea, that a movement that, for him, that breaks from the cliché, right? Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. isn't it most of the time in our daily lives we move in a clichéd way, even if it's just our own private cliché? Like, we, sure. I, like, I stand the same way. I tend to move my hands the same way. I constantly, when I'm giving a talk, I just gave a talk this morning, and I, I even though I was doing it, even though they couldn't see me, I'm pulling up my, the sleeves on my <laughs> oh, yeah, right, on right. my arms, and I even yeah. do it while during the podcast constantly, even though, <laughs> of course, I'm the, so that's for me a cliche. It's funny because I saw, I was watching a podcast of Cynthia Fleury. Do you know who that is? She's a psychoanalytic French thinker. I don't think her books are translated. She probably yeah, know no, her, I but, don't know her, no. But she does this, I was I was on the treadmill or the, the elliptical and and I'm watching her like, I'm like, oh my God, that's so annoying when she does that. And I realized I'm annoyed by myself. But but <laughs> that those movements yeah. are just cliches when I do mm-hmm, them, mm-hmm. right? And I, I think what, what Deleuze is interested in is like I go to move my arm to pull my sleeve up and instead my sleeve falls when I'm pulling it up or, or my arm isn't there when my other arm reaches for it. You know, like something is aberrant. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the way I think he sees, and we'll get into this a little bit too, because I think this is the Bergsonian yeah. element that, mm-hmm. that we talked about last week a little bit that I, and I, or last time. And I think that that, that, that he thinks that this is this point at which time triumphs over space, right? Or Mm -hmm. we break from the cliche. And I think that's what he sees as the real radical potential of the movement image. Okay. So, um, he also, I mean, of course, like time in a, in a literal, like chronological sense, like the development of film as an, as an art form has, uh, a role here. It's not just, um, he's talking about, something he calls the movement image. And then he starts talking about the time image. He's saying, this is a, this is like an idea that like film as a thinking entity unto itself eventually like uncovers 
and you see this in the work. Um, I, I, he locates this. Does he locate this first in Wells or or just primarily? Like, like I think the, the well, time the, image. And the, the time image I think is I think he does see Wells as the real figure of the break, right? Like okay. Wells is the first. I think he says something like it all begins with Wells or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. right, like that the that Wells really. Uh, that Wells really, I think he said, yeah, this is so it's in time image. He says it all begins with Citizen Kane. Okay. Um, that, that he says he's showing in Kane that, that there are these sheets of the past mm. that are, that are like, and he calls them undulations of a great wave. And so we see time. He thinks we see in this great, uh, deep focus scene from Citizen Kane where Charlie Kane is in the background playing out in the snow and and his parents are talking uh, with the banker inside the, about his adoption inside the house. And you see both. So there's these, for, for Deleuze, we're seeing sheets of time, mm-hmm. even though it's weird because it's actually all occurring at the same time. But I think we're supposed to say that, I think we're supposed to see that we're seeing the future Mm-hmm. outside playing in the snow and the past is inside. Uh, but yeah, I think he thinks Wells is the, is the primary filmmaker of the break. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, and this, you know, as we talked about last week, Bergson being the, the very, the paradigmatic figure, not as most people claim as Spinoza, which was not my original take turns out, but you got there many years before I did. But yeah. um, the, the, where why this is um, close to um, to Bergson is th- this is what is very close to what Bergson writes about comedy and that the you know and again talking about like moving in in cliche like w- one of I think this might be the m- most famous example from uh, Bergson's is it a book or is it a long essay? Ah, um, uh, it's a good question. Yeah. <laughs> laughter, yeah, it's a hundred pages, so book. Okay, I think. all right, okay. So his his book uh, Laughter. Um, the, the, his th- where his theory of comedy comes from is the idea of an absent-minded professor uh, walking um, d- down the street and what like like bonking his head on a on a lamppost, right. and right. what happens? Why this is funny or why one would laugh? Because I, I, I don't want to I don't want to slip on terms, but why why this like uh, uh, becomes a, a theory of comedy or, or what or where where laughter is generated here is for Bergson that pure life has burst forth through automation. This person right. walking in they're more machine than they're human. There is no life. It's as we were saying about with, with Deleuze, it's pure cliche. There there's there's nothing like new and novel what they're doing and they're not paying attention. And because they are going through life as an automaton, they come up against this, oh, I don't know, maybe maybe what Lacan would say, like the, the lamppost being like a hard uh kernel of the real. And the yeah. it is is this confrontation uh bursts forth life for Bergson where you know that the suddenly they're all out of sorts maybe they've dropped their papers if they're wearing glasses or maybe their glasses are broken it's just like it's not that they got hurt that's not why it's funny I think that's why maybe American comedy would argue why why one would laugh um is uh, it's or a Schopenhauer a, a, I think that's Schopenhauer's theory of comedy that it's like it like superiority in, like, yeah superior I was just gonna say right like it's this yeah. this elite person who has been brought down right like this like yeah. there's like a, a tremendous pulling down so but for Bergson it's that life has burst forth and life meaning this like a t- to borrow Deleuze's term like an aberrant 
movement and, and like something that uh, was like utterly unexpected has, has come through. Like, and that is really, really crucial for how Deleuze reads cinema um, as a, as, as uh, well, I don't want to say form cause that gets tricky later, but as medium and, and its development and that the time image is this um, again, this, sorry, I'm interrupting myself to say like, he's very like, just to go back to the previous episode, time is a huge thing throughout all of Deleuze that like in difference and repetition, he talks a lot about Proust and like, you know, and, um, and Swan's way. And like, like it's interesting that what he emphasizes in that, that moment in Kane is this, this like, uh, what is it? Layer, layers of time, not layers, layers of time. Yeah. Layers of time. Like that's like the, the, the tasting of the tea cake. Is this like right, this, right. like these these right. layers uh, of time, and so anything where where time can uh, can come forth in what we would ordinarily consider to be just cliched space that that that's crucial crucial for for Deleuze and, and well, but it, yeah, yeah, I think that's interesting, Ryan, because it, it's almost a way in which the movement image and the time image come together, right? Like mm-hmm. that's what they have in common that both are this break from the cliche. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really crucial. I, I, I'm not. I just want to come back to this reading of sure. Bergson's laughter because isn't it, isn't it more that the laughter is the revenge of, of the non-mechanical, the life, and not the com, like the calm. Like, doesn't something become funny when it becomes, when the vital becomes restricted to the mechanical, right? Like. That the movement of the human body, this is in the laughter book, he says, are laughable to the exact proportion as the body reminds us of a mere machine. Mm-hmm. So isn't it, I think it's that, that it's that it's actually, you become like a machine, and then the laughter is the revenge okay. of the human on, so I actually think he couldn't, he would say that in the example you gave, that he, yeah. he would think that's funny, but he'd think that what we're laughing at is actually the mechanical thing that comes before. Oh, I see. So it's the thing, the thing that the thing, the result allows us to, to, to see the left. thing retroactively. Right. Interesting. Right. Interesting. Right. And so, so yeah. So I think, so it's interesting. I've always thought his theory, I've said this to you before, can explain mm-hmm. Chaplin really well, but it can't explain Keaton because in mm-hmm. Keaton, what's funny is the machines start to act like humans, like these trains, they have like, they, they have, they commit errors like humans do. They they take detours off the tracks like humans do. Like so, mm. so Keaton's really all about the way in which the train is alive, and and Chaplin is more about the human. You know, like in that famous scene in Modern Times when the human goes into the becomes totally mechanical himself. Remember, he's he's like unwrenching these the yeah. woman's uh, <laughs> breasts or whatever he's doing. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You know, after so gumming up the works, right? right after gumming yeah. up the works. So I think that that's so that I think he he has a hard time explaining why Keaton is funny because and this I think bears on Deleuze because I think there's no way to think about how the turn to the merely mechanical itself or the sorry the way in which the mechanical can itself go awry so mm-hmm. so it's as if he there's not a theory of 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 the way in which something that's becomes set can go off, you know, can, mm-hmm. can not, can cease to, to work correctly. And I don't know. I, I, I think that that's, I think it's important for thinking about uh, Deleuze's theory, but I, I do think that for him, 
that notion of an aberrant movement is like that's where it all lies in mm-hmm. in cinema like that that the ability to depict something that's going one way and then all of a sudden it just goes in a different way and for Deleuze I really think that's the heart of his 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 philosophy at least in the 80s yeah that's interesting I mean because it, it does remind me though of um what we what we talked about last time just because of the way that we structured these episodes with um logic of sense having his um having Deleuze's like theory of event it almost is like like you can see in the cinema books like it comes back right after the after the period with Guattari like the, I don't know like, such like a the, great point can you yeah. go, develop that a little bit because I think yeah. that's really right well so what we talked about last time um in is is so Baju has this book on Deleuze where you know Baju makes the argument about um, Bergson being the the paradigmatic figure for for Deleuze and uh, Baju is probably the most well known, at least a living philosopher of the event, and that's that's what, uh, but that's just that's what Baju is, is known for, and so um, and he uh, takes his inspiration from a uh, like his own reading of of Deleuze, but then. In his Deleuze book, he has to uh, he has to kill the father, right. um, you know, um, and and kind of set off on his own. But I, it's it's pretty tempting to see the to, to and I don't know if this flattens Deleuze. I don't know what you'll think of this, but it's pretty tempting to say that um, the movement image or just the the uh, cinema that is just strictly like like movement that um, cannot help but become cliche. It can't, cannot help but become a uh, mere situation or only. And that what we need is the time image to uh, introduce this aberrant movement to uh, disrupt the, to, to disrupt how we think of movement and cliche and to generate the new. And, and I think if you're looking for, if one wanted to make an argument, that uh, actually Deleuze is a philosopher of event. I think you would probably go to the cinema books, and then uh, and 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 I think you could make a make a reading just like uh, kind of what I did. I don't know. What do you think of that? Yeah, I think that's right. I think I think it's really good to think to connect logic of sense and the event, which is an event of nonsense, right? And I right. think yeah, that yeah. it's the sense it's, event. It's, yeah. yeah, the sense event, and I think it's it's so it's so nice to connect it to the way in which aberrant movement functions in the cinema books, right? Like that seems mm-hmm. to me to really, to really work. And I think, um, yeah, like is the, that's an interesting idea. Like is the, is the movement image necessarily becoming a cliche mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. the time image is actually requisite for breaking out of that cliche? I think that's probably right. I mean, he does have that line in the, in the, movement image where he says the American cinema essentially shoots and reshoots a single mm-hmm. film, you know, the, which is yeah. made by Studios Griffith, is, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's interesting because, of course, he doesn't comment on Griffith's racism. That's no big deal to him. No, no way. Um, <laughs> that's a pot shot. I shouldn't have said that. But, um, <laughs> but uh, it's interesting that Eisenstein does, though, isn't it? Like, of all mm-hmm. these early film theorists that, that celebrate, oh, Griffith's so radical, blah, 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 Eisenstein's really the only one who says, look, that there's a real connection between his racism and his parallel montage, mm. which is pretty brilliant, I think, for him yeah. to, to say that. Um, but anyway, so I, I think that Deleuze doesn't say that, but, but no. I think that, 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 that 
his, I think his understanding, and maybe we can talk about the large form oh, yeah, yeah. now, that I wonder if the large form doesn't itself lend to cliche, right? Like that, it, yeah. the, oh. that very structure, which he identifies with the movement image, or it's the, what would you say? It's like the predominant form of the movement image. Uh, maybe that's why there's this, there's this proclivity to cliche in the movement image. Mm. Well, I think that a lot of this tracks with positioning Bergson in the way that we're positioning him for Deleuze is that if for, um, if for Deleuze, I'm sorry, if for Bergson, uh, like the laughter is that which makes us, uh, like it's this retroactive looking thing. It's not the, not the bonk on the head from the absent minded professor, but it's us being able to see like, Oh, he was like, he was a machine and now life is, we can look back from that. Um, then, that would track with a reading of the time image as that which like uh, allows us to see how cliched the like movement uh, has become and can can simply be uh, in in cinema. I think like you could graft those things to each other. Um, and I okay so well but before we go into the large form small form uh, does that do you think that tracks? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think okay. that's really good. Yeah, I buy that. Yeah, I think I um, it's in, it's it's interesting. I, I I mean, it's it's a very. I mean, just like with just like with everything else, it's like it's a very idiosyncratic way <laughs> of looking at film. And I know, to like to I take know. to you know like like as your as your major source, like you're 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 taking this like this theory of uh, of comedy that is itself idiosyncratic, but, and now like using that as a skeleton key to unlock the development of cinema as right. medium and, right. and mode of thought. It's, it's, but, it's, but it's, I don't it's think it's just yeah. the comedy theory, right? It's also yeah. the, I mentioned this book last time, I think the time and free will, which is Bergson's first right. bi- big book. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, the, his notion in there is that in that book is that sp- in space, we're constrained and determined but in time, we're utterly free because at any moment we can always do something totally different. And mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. doesn't that fit so well with the notion of aberrant motion, right? Like the yeah, like yeah. this idea that we could just like I'm walking down the I'm walking down the street talking to talking to someone, and then I just all of a sudden punch them in the face, right? Like that's <laughs> a it's an aberrant. Mo- <laughs> it's a, okay, but I know psychoanalysis would have a lot of fun with why I chose that particular. <laughs> thing to do but um but but let's say I, I i punch them in the face and like that's completely aberrant movement right like mm-hmm. it doesn't there's nothing in the in in space that 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 portends that happening and i think so that's for bergson what is so great about temporality that it's all mm-hmm. it's this utter freedom whereas space is we're determined in space and so that contrast is very and he and and so the clock would be this ultimate spatialization of time. There's a whole interesting, I think, way to think about Bergson and Heidegger, even though they're totally opposed in some way. They both find this, they they both are criticizing the chronometer and the clock. Mm. So there's a, I don't know, that's for some episode uh, 20 years in the future. But um, (laughs) but I do think- That's very optimistic of you. I'm just thinking that I'll be dead in the ground by then. (laughs) But you'll still have the show going on. So I'll do I'll do Uh, it with your replacement. Yeah, with my uh, yeah, with uh, you know, Nightwing. Um, (laughs) 
<laughs> that was very unexpected. <laughs> that's really. That was a pretty good. Like I, that makes you Batman, and then I'm yeah, I'm Robin, and and yeah. I thought that I, I usually don't know anything about. Well, just referentially, comics. I think that's a good poll by you. So that's yeah, like, yeah. I, I like It's way point. out of my out of my depths. Anyway, um, <laughs> uh, so I only know it because at the end of the of of. Dark Knight Rises. Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, yeah that, that that everybody said, oh, it's Nightwing. And I'm like, who the hell is Nightwing? And then people told me. So yeah. uh, that's all the reason I know. Uh, anyway, so I think that, 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 that there's something in that, that way, the way Bergson's thinking about time mm-hmm. versus space that that is in the, the move from the movement image to the time image. And that's yeah. why, even though he talks about Bergson, even in the movement image book, right? He, mm-hmm. he nonetheless, I think... It's really in the time image where the Bergsonian nature of Deleuze's entire thought maybe reaches its acme, right? Yeah, no, I, I think that's correct. I mean, it's like a, such a nice. I mean, th- this is what I've really like enjoyed over the course of the uh, these episodes is like like this. Um, I think that's a nice like. Uh, there's an economy of that observation in that like it seems. I don't think it's reductive or simplistic, but it's like the. Um, space being this constraint that Deleuze is constantly wants to break free from as right. a way of like understanding like a whole raft of his work. I think that's like, I think that's really, really interesting. It, 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 it that also, you know, has, it, that's the body without organs. It, it com- comes back to that as well. Absolutely. Right. You know? Like, so even it informs even the middle period with, with Guattari, I think, I, I think the one thing that, I don't know, this is my view and I think it's yours too, that, there's real that this whole attempt to distinguish one Deleuze from another mm. is I think it falls apart really that I think there mm. are these real clear through lines between yeah. the different the different epochs of his of his career. Yeah, definitely. Which uh, we will uh, get to with the Schuster and Zizek's book uh, in. Right. Oh, I don't know. I'm gonna ballpark. Well, you know, I'm not gonna ballpark it in time because then uh, I'll be restricting us, right? Yeah, that's right. I'll be spatializing uh, yeah. time. I'll be spatializing. We don't want to do that in the Deleuze episode. <laughs> that's why I don't want to do it. So <laughs> let's talk about large form and small form. So this yeah, is, yeah, let's do that. Yeah. This is, um, again, Deleuze's very idiosyncratic, but I th- nonetheless, I think, interesting way of uh, categorizing cinema. And I think there are two... So again... Uh, to make this good radio, uh, uh, because th- this does have a lot. This 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 is, uh, I mean, as, as much as anything else, like this is very visual. It really is de- depending yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. But we'll, yeah. But so to to try to help, um, large form. So th- these are two dominant forms in cinema for Deleuze. There is large form and small form. Large form begins with situation. Another reason right. why I use that that word for like right for the movement. But although it's interesting, I just want to yeah. interrupt. Isn't it Go interesting ahead. that that's. A, Badu's term for yeah. the opposite of the event, right? It's, like the yeah, right. like there's situation and event, and there's the two never they have no dialectical relation, right? The the mm-hmm. the event is just subtracted from the situation, mm-hmm. and there and and there's a way in which the cinema books actually kind of feed into that even better than logic of sense, right? Yeah, yeah, I think that's true. Does and and um, Badu does have that one book that's strictly on cinema, right? Yeah, but it's just a collection of different just things about different, different films. It's not really about cinema. It's not a cinema it's not, book. It's not a book, right? It's just no, just no, no. And it's also, because I thought about teaching it one time, but it's not It's not doable. But I do think that the, um, I you know, I don't think he ever talks about Deleuze's cinema books. So that's an interest. Maybe he does. I shouldn't say that. But I don't mm. think he does. Not in a big way. Mm. But well, I do. I, I, that's, that's suspicious, Todd. That is. Tough. I know. It's, it's interesting, right? Like, situa- yeah. because you could read... 
situation and an event onto situation and action. action, Although the problem is, of course, that for Deleuze, the action is is related to the situation, right? Yeah, and and it's not. And if it's if it's event, it's event small e. It's not right. Because right. it also yeah. also because we always we come back to the situation at the yes. end, like yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. No, Continue no, no, with okay. your account of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's so we start with the situation, then we have action that uh, changes the what we had just seen, and then we return back to the situation. Um, potentially, actually, uh, this it, I don't know. Is this not? Is this not Joseph Campbell? Is this not separation, initiation, return? Uh, sure. You know, so right. like there's that a little bit too. Well, Star Wars is certainly large form, right? So like because Star because Star Wars is a space opera, and space western, right? And it's the yeah. great Joseph Campbell film series, right? Like yeah, Lucas was very informed by Campbell. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very true. Yeah. So that's so that's the genre. Just because again, because we're this isn't visual, so this is just to help. Um, as a so genre. Western also yeah. like Shane, right? Like Shane would be a good one. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's like your typical thing is that you you start um, – actually, it's even, you know, uh, even now, but I mean I think in uh, certainly more in the before times uh, with sports, a, a, I think an, an NFL telecast mirrors very much the Western. You have the wide shot of the stadium and the screaming fans and you go, you know, you, it's a panoramic view. So you, you get, you get the situation and then you have the, um, the players. There's some right, like tense narrative, like, Oh, is Tom Brady playing the, you know, the Patriots. Now he's on another team. We're going to look at his face and we're going to look at Bill Belichick's face, right? This is now like hero villain kind of stuff, opening kickoff action, like the game. And now then it, you know, however it plays out, uh, we have the that we return to like a situation that the um, action has uh, cut right in right. in a in a meaningful way. So we return not to the same situation, but we return to the we return to the same space. I mean, this is why it works for the Western, right? Like you you right. return to the same space, but the uh, the the space has been like rearticulated. Right, the situation has changed yeah. as a result of the action. That's yes. the idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, and, I I, yeah. I get that. I think that okay. describe again. This is what I think. Like, <laughs> isn't it describing something? And yes. like, what's the theory? Like, I just uh, I just yeah, have yeah, never enough. understood that. Like, okay, that's the large form, I guess, and I guess that's true in like westerns and whatever. But I just don't like. He never says. He never answers. And to me, this is a fundamental philosophical question because maybe I'm whatever. I don't know a philistine, but so what? Yeah. Like I would have, just, I would just be like, so what? Like I would have been in the audience at his lecture, being going, so what? What have you, like, ooh, large form? I mean, I just don't, <laughs> I don't, I do. No one has ever been able to tell me so what, and I, I, yeah. I don't know. I just feel like that's a big objection. Yeah, I guess I'm, um, uh, I mean, just is the so what, um. Would you allow that the answer might be that the so what is simply that it is just these two forms? Is that the so what? There's just that that's the claim. The claim that all cinema has to be one of these two forms. Yes. Yes. And okay. so what? Well, there's many different genres, many different there's, you know, many different uh, countries, you know, there's many different eras of film, but it nonetheless conform to these two schema. Okay, now that would uh, that might be interesting if you said mm-hmm. like, okay, 
one is ideological mm, okay. and the other is radical or, you know, like something like that. Or one is more else. authentic about our existence. The other is not. I don't know. I just feel like it doesn't like I get it. And I think you're right. He does think that that there is the small form and the large form. And that's basically it. Should mm-hmm. we go and describe the small form? Which, yeah, we should. Yeah. Which is well, interesting c- that he associates yeah. the small form with the time image. Right. Like that's yes. a, mm-hmm. that's, I think, a funny kind of. I, I I I I guess I understand why that is, but I don't know. Go ahead. Well, yeah. So the uh, the small form, uh, there one. I'll give one genre and then one uh, mo- film movement, not in the Deleuzean way of movement, but just film movement. So uh, as uh, Italian neorealism being the movement, and then the genre being the noir. Right. Uh, and right. so small form is a reversal. We begin with action, that then leads into a situation that. It reaches its uh, resolution with another action. So, double indemnity. So, bicycle thieves would be right. Bicycle double thieves, either one. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, either one. But, um, yeah, the double indemnity begins, and a lot of noirs begin with, like, it's, of course, it's in shadows. You don't, there, we, we're on one person. We're not in the vast plains of the Dakotas, where, you know, we're, you know, or, or Oklahoma. Right. We are, we're, we're focused on one person, one car. And on one street in one city, and we follow them someplace, and we begin to hear their story and see how they are implicated in a web that is far-reaching uh, and and well beyond their control. This is like you know common film noir stuff, and we hear about you know and you know one of the. It's also interesting to think about the noir and the time image. This is a bit of a, more of a literal connection, but um, the the noir maybe more than any other uh, film genre makes use of the flashback flashback like, right as a yeah as a primary storytelling device the w- this is part of what makes um uh detour the the great uh film noir b movie like so good is that like as we because they didn't have because they didn't have enough money like it was just it was cheaper to process some of the film reels um without like flipping them so there's this this a lot of the movie takes place on the road and the cars are literally on the wrong side of the road it's in America, but the car the cars <laughs> appear to be on the left side of the road instead of the right side of the road. The steering wheel is on the right side of the car instead of the left side of the car, and it was just because it was just cheaper to do post production. That was why yeah. they did it. But it yeah. has this really really amazing thing that like as we go back, we're actually moving forward, but we're not going toward anything that's positive. We're like literally moving the wrong way throughout the film for the character. It's wonderful. Uh, wonder like, what, wonder what Deleuze would have thought of Tenet. I still haven't seen it, so I don't, I don't know. Yeah. But, but I mean, what, I guess you know the thing though, right? Like people are coming. About it. Oh, you don't. Oh, so I, people I are coming that. from yeah. the future into the past and okay. they even have actors. He had the actors move backwards in the scenes. So it's mm-hmm. like, you're really getting this, I think he really would have liked it. I think he would have seen these like sheets of time, yeah, yeah, evidenced in it. In it, I think he would have liked that. Although, maybe not. I don't know. But um, but I I, I love the example. That's a great detour example, and noir is a great example too. But I was thinking of um, of written on the wind, the Cirque one, which okay. starts with this individual act of of Kyle driving his car really fast, and then mm-hmm. and then he comes and kills someone. We don't know who it is, right. or someone is killed. He doesn't kill mm-hmm. someone. Um, I just would have misled you about that film <laughs> based on that. Um, and then, and then the whole, and then that established, then there's a flashback and then that mm-hmm. establishes the situation. Mm-hmm. And then 
we come in the end to the same event, right? So the same event, actually, the same act frames the entire film, which is the, in the film is the situation. So I think that would be, I think, a great instance of this. And I think melodrama generally is the small form, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. That Mm -hmm. it has this, you know, action, situation, action. Ooh, this is interesting. So, um... If melodrama, uh, Linda Williams argues quite convincingly that the dominant mode of uh, particularly American television is uh, its serial melodrama. And her um, formulation for uh, melodrama, just to be like really, really brief, is like um, like action plus time is uh, is is how is is melodrama. And that the the like um, I know you just finish watching the wire that like some of its biggest like beats and, and, and um, most impactful moments are like bubbles going up the stairs. Right. Yeah. And putting like, like the, it's this, it's actually this, um, this emotional hit that is only produced because of this, like, like t- time and action, like having this like relationship together. Yeah. So, okay. If we follow this, I mean, like it, it, the argument could be that as a medium, the television does small form almost exclusively. I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's that's right. That's interesting. I, I thought you, you brought up Linda Williams. I thought you were going to talk about porn. I was wondering. Oh, that's what, right. That's right. Do you yeah, think no, porn no, no, is small form or I think porn is small form too, right? It's porn. Well, I like think, there's some action that yeah. like, like, you know, whatever the plumber comes to the door. Well, no, but says, I was actually going to say, but I was actually going to clean say, out your pipes or whatever. Right. <laughs> and then, and then comes but, and then. And then, yeah. and then it's like the long situation of the boring sex act, and then the money shot is then the other action, right? Yeah. Or is that wrong? Is that no, no, no? Well, I think you just made it. Yeah, so that, that was it. You made it small form. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's interesting. I think um the yeah, I wonder what she would say about that. Like um, and I just don't know because I I think that um. You know how I mean the like uh, in Big Lebowski just because talking about noir and for those those that do not know Big Lebowski is kind of quasi a comic retelling of The Big Sleep, right? Um, and the uh, you know at the center of this is um, was it Carl Hungus and uh, um, it's a Jackie Treehorn is this like this like this like porn like in the in the middle of the movie and like um, yeah I guess. I don't know. I just, well, I just, well, I just that, had that wild thought. I don't know. Well, no. What I was going to say was that um, Big Lebowski begins with a tumbleweed, right? right? Like this, like big expanse of like L.A. or right. Los Angeles, as uh, Sam Elliott says, as the uh, um, the stranger. I think is officially his his credited as being called in that movie. Um, and so that the film sets itself up as lar- as large form, and then it has this small form within it that's porn. Yeah. I don't know. I kind of yeah. like that connection, just the way that you. You, the way that you drew it out. Um, so those are his, I mean, the, the, those are the, 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 the two forms and he associates like um, time it, it, determining the small form in a way that like maybe it's um, subjugated in the large form. Do you think that's, I think so. I think that's right. I think that, or at least I subordinated it, to space. Right. Would be the, right. Yeah. And to movement, right? Like mm-hmm. time is following upon movement in the large form and then in the small form because movement isn't like, there's just the action in the beginning and at the end. So the movement in the middle Mm -hmm. is like time. There's often these long expanses of time. So I think films that are art films that are boring 
are mm-hmm. always about the time image, right? Because they, they, they are just depicting this long expanse of time in which this aberrant motion can occur, which, which lets us experience temporality. I mean, I almost think he, his belief is that cinema can let us have a more authentic temporality in, mm-hmm. these, in these time image films, right? In these mm-hmm. small form mm-hmm. films. And I, I, think that's his, I think that's the idea because we're no longer watching for the action. I think that's, mm-hmm. isn't that the idea of the small yeah, form? Yeah. You're no longer watching for the acti- action. Instead, you're immersed in the situation. Mm-hmm. And so the, the situation, when it has primacy, that means temporality has primacy. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. You think that's right? Do you buy that? Yeah, no, I do. I mean, I think, uh, um, I mean, it's certainly, I mean, it makes it interesting to me. Like, uh, like, and I think that it also tracks if, if I'm trying to make the claim or I'm trying to say Deleuze is trying to make the claim that film just does one of these two things that like, I, I think it's, it is, I understand why you said what, what you did, which is that one of these has to be ideological and the other has to be radical. And I think that just the way that we're talking about them, it, it absolutely makes small form radical and yeah, large yeah, form yeah. ideological. Yeah. And uh, it also, I think that these books, I think they kind of circumscribe attention with Deleuze with, um, I mean, this is kind of not to maybe transition too quickly, but this is one of um, Zizek's points in organs without bodies is that like he like shirks away from the, uh, the radicality of the Lacanian act. And, um, that instead that I think this is what this is what Zizek is talking about. Like he privileges is um, like just constant, constant newness, like little, little newness, like yeah. small n newness, not like big uh, transformative um, acts with a capital A. Um, yeah. But I think there's a, I don't know. Like I just, I think there's a tension in the cinema books where Deleuze could very easily be that, that he could very easily be Badu, the thinker of the event, the thinker yeah. of the, the 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 act, the large scale act that uh, that disrupts the the situation. And it's, uh, I don't know. In that way, I think it's different from how Zizek is saying he avoids and, and evades it. But I think he he does step away from that. But I I, I don't know. I think it's there. And I think it's there. In I agree. Books. I I think that's really good, Ryan, because. Isn't it so? In the time image book, he says toward the end, he says something like, "Images cease to be linked by rational cuts, mm-hmm. and instead, irrational cuts are the linking process, and that they, the cut belongs to neither of the two images, but instead, the cut is valid for itself. So it's mm-hmm. disjunctive rather than conjunctive, mm-hmm. and I think." That's really that 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 like we see the disjunction through mm-hmm. the irrational cut, and I think isn't that what precisely event in Badu's yeah. understanding of it, right? Like that that in a way, cinema, if you think the time image at least, is trying to show us this irrational cut of a split, an opening mm-hmm. within the image itself, right between the one image and the cut and the other. And I think. The great, his favorite example, and I think this is, to me, one of the great films ever made, and I, I think he thinks that too, but I think we're for different reasons, but maybe not, if you think of it this way, is Last Year at Marienbad by Alain mm-hmm. René. And, and I think this irrational cut, it's this beautiful moment in the middle of the film. She's in the hotel bar, and there, the, 
there's some guy walks toward her. She drops her glass, and then there's a cut back to the year before in her hotel room mm-hmm. when there's a similar breaking that occurs, and 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 it's like the, there's this connection across temporality that then there's an opening there mm-hmm. that is not. It's funny because isn't it a way in which I know he wants to say that the time image is is shows us the priority of time. But I, I almost think that the irrational cut shows us this moment of eternity that goes across temporality, yeah. you know? And I, I yeah. and that's what you're talking about with the event, right? And I think mm-hmm. that that's, there's almost like you have to read it a little bit against the grain uh, cinema mm-hmm. too, but I do think that there is that element in there. Yeah, I, I guess it's it's the, it's the commitment to some other principles that I think mean he can't be clear about that and he can't be he can't be as decisive as um you know the like perhaps these books like a cry out for like just large form ideological small form uh, radical like because uh he's committed to like like multiplicity like event event doesn't i don't know like event and multiplicity doesn't really work um unless it's small e you know, event and, and it's, we're just talking about, um, like again, just like little changes, like little tiny disruptions, but then that's not even what Bergson is talking about in, uh, laughter. And that's not what Deleuze is talking about with the aberrant movement and like exactly how, uh, transformative this is for cinema. Otherwise he wouldn't have written two books about it. If it was just like a little thing, like it's, it's clearly cause they're separated clearly the time image is a big thing. It's not just like a little thing. So I, I, I see this tension and, and I, I, and yeah. I think that it's, it's, it's going back on the commitment to, um, to like, to, to multiplicity that like he, he can't make that step toward like embracing the full radicality of this, which I, I think that's which, right. I, I think, think it's, it's right. Yeah. And don't you think it's linked to this attempt to like that the, like his goal, he says this in cinema too, is to tear a real image from cliches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you know that the image constantly attempts to break through the cliche to get out of the cliche. Mm-hmm. And I I think this like allergy to the cliche is really mm-hmm. what what makes him unable to see the radicality of the event. Right, like the and that. Yeah. It's, it's, or it's to- or on the other yeah, side, on. how the like the shock of the new can get old. Right. right. Like, like, right, the, right, like that, that right. looking at it the other way. Right. That I, I think that's to me, that's the that's like the tagline for Deleuze's life, <laughs> you, know? Yeah. you know, which is sad. Um, I mean, no, I mean, of course. Well, well I mean, but he's his tagline of my life is he lived a cliche everything. Uh, cliche. Yeah, that is probably true. <laughs> and then, well, I mean, like, you know, Deleuze is trying to break, break out of it. I think that that would be it. Like, um, right. But. Yeah, but that I think you're just so right that the attempt to break out of the cliche constantly itself becomes yes. hackneyed, right? And yes, that, of course, of course, and 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 to 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 recognize something authentic or essential in the cliche or in the hackneyed, mm-hmm. I think that's really. I mean, that's Hegel and psychoanalysis. I think, mm-hmm. but and I think in a way that's the whole point of difference, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's the like this do you privilege the new and this constant seeking of the new, or do you see the way in which something is 
authentic even in the thing that's the most hackneyed. Like there's something, you're really getting in touch with something. And I think that's like, the, if you think about the notion of the symptom, Mm. that's really about what that's about, right? It's about seeing how there's this thing that just seems like it's a complete capitulation, totally ideological, and yet within it, there's this expression of my desire that wouldn't otherwise find any expression. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like that's the, that's like, that really is the, is the nub of the, mm. of the, of the problem. But I, I, I do, I, I agree with you that there's something almost, this notion of the disjunctive Mm-hmm. in the cut is there's something kind of cool about that and and mm-hmm. and and linked to the small form and and he likes all the right films i'm tempted to say <laughs> you know like it's all like citizen kane lady from shanghai italian realism renee i mean these the films are really he's got the right idea about these about which films are really doing something radical mm. that's interesting it's like um so but it's the uh yeah, it's so funny. It's like like he 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 gets up to that he gets up to that limit, and um, but like I, I just think these are um, there's something interesting in th- when some time from now when we we do um, like a set of episodes on Foucault, I think that there's a, a corollary because of course like Deleuze and Foucault are often talked about together. They had a great relationship. Like Deleuze writes a book on Foucault. Foucault says the next century will be Deleuzean, um, and I think that there's the, the like a really, really nice connection is that I think their late work undoes them a little. It makes them yeah. more interesting to me. Uh, right. Like in the, in the, the way that, you know, I like to, to, to think through um, these kinds of things and uh, you know, the, the text that, that we often work with and just like what, what I like to, to, to privilege philosophically speaking. I, like, I, I really think that like the, like you, if you, you take these books seriously and, um, and I, and I, oh, and I'm tempted to say Deleuze did too, which is why he does not, which is why there isn't a clear argument because I think he probably saw that it's, it's a threat, like for him to come down on the side of radicality right. of the small form and ideology right. of the large form is it introduces too much stability, which is what, especially the stuff he does with uh, Guattari, but even, but even before that with difference and repetition, especially and the logic of sense, like it, it is all about undoing a kind of stability from which you could, Right. Um, reach any kind of um, normative is not the right word, but just like any kind of uh, no, singular, any kind of singular perspective. He has, he has fought that the whole way. Right. And then I think he gets to cinema and he's looking at a single art form and he's reduced it to two forms. And that's an awful lot of stability for Deleuze. Right. Like when you, when you put that in the context of everything else, um, the, it's interesting film, does not have a multiplicity of meaning. It has two. That's right. really, really interesting right. from from right. from from Deleuze, and and I think that it le- it leads him into this path of of seeing the radicality of this aberrant movement, and I think um, it pushes the Bergsonian influence Absolutely. also toward right. toward being a theory of event, and I think he doesn't do it, and and I I, I just I find that really really fascinating. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So we we both agree that there's this untapped radical potential from cinema too. Even though I think we both are skeptical about time as the like as the great source of yeah. radicality, right? Like I don't I, I, know about yeah. I don't know about that for <laughs> I put it this way. Yeah, I don't know about that for me. But right, I think right, like right, like right. I think it's it's just it's interesting for Deleuze that 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 seems to be the case. Yeah. When yeah. like the the 
like all the other work is again, it's it's multiplicity. It is a, uh, a as we talked about with a friend uh, of I was gonna say friend of the show, but he's a friend of ours in real life. So I don't I don't know what I don't know what to do about that. But friend uh, Matt Flissfeder, like it's a like a university of substance and right, not not right. subject. Like it like it, so that that Deleuze, which is like throughout everything, I think there are some walls here where. Um, both of those ideas are kind of um, upended by this. Yeah, I think that's right. It's interesting. Yeah. I was just thinking, I'm going to slight transition to the sure. Francis Bacon oh, Logic yeah. of Sensation book, which is 81. So there are these other books he writes. So you mentioned the Foucault book, which I think there's not much there. And then there's the this Bacon book, and then there's the book on Leibniz and the Fold. Those are the basic mm-hmm. books from the 80s. And uh, this are the post, other than the cinema books, the post- Guattari ones. And then he, he writes the book with Guattari at the end of both of their lives, What is Philosophy? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think like in the Francis Bacon one, it's inter- so interesting in com- reference to what you're saying, because he thinks about sensation as opposed to understanding. And it's, an, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a plea for the way in which painting can escape mm-hmm. the, the tyranny of understanding by focusing on sensation. And and he says that the form of painting in modern painting can begin to express an accident and no longer an essence. And I think mm. like that's linked, I think, to the idea of an aberrant movement for sure. Yeah. But it's also so he so wants to get away from any categorization. Right. Like that's yeah. the like the understanding. It's you know, it's. It's funny because in most of his books, Hegel is the bad guy. But in the Francis mm-hmm. Bacon book, it's really Kant and the and the Kantian categories of the understanding that frame our our sensations. And and he wants to disrupt that framing. Like he wants to prioritize sensation over understanding and framing. And and I think that fits in with what we were talking about about the earlier project. But there's a way in which the cinema book kind of is a challenge to that because it does, it it is kind of clearly categorized in the way that you're saying. Yeah. I mean, and it's all, it's also just interesting for, for you to say that like the, you know, the, uh, the accident is the hero certainly over, over essence. Um, and that this in, in the Francis Bacon book where Kant is kind of the villain and Hegel not named, but like, you know, uh, Catherine Malibu has a really interesting, like this is collected as a book, but, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to say it's a long essay, uh, the ontology of the accident, which is like a very yeah, yeah, yeah. Hegelian yeah. understanding of like brain plasticity. So it's like very, in terms of content, very separate from what we're, the conversation we're having here. But, um, she sources her notion of, uh, of the accident in very Hegelian terms. And it sounds like he does the same thing, uh, with, in the, in the Bacon book, but you know, again, not the conscious reference. So I just, I just, it, it's really interesting. Like, and I, I do think that th- this is the thing where like, you know, where, where late work does like, sometimes it's disregarded and I think that that's wrong, but, I, but like, I, I really like it when it, it is actually, it's like a challenge. It's a challenge to the philosopher that like, yeah. they maybe literally don't have enough energy to take up. And, yeah. You know, that's, yeah. I think that's probably true, right? Like they're, they come upon something and, I think it's their tendency to say, well, I'm just kind of following through with what I've done before. Mm-hmm. But maybe they're actually uncovering something new that challenges everything they've thought yes. before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which you know, I, and I, I think, yeah. yeah, I think that that, I think there's that tension in the time image book between this maybe like 
almost radical notion of the event as this disjunction that that actually un, un, uproots our temporality. It doesn't mm. affirm our temporality, right? Like that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. that seems to like like why would the irrational cut be? something why or the aberrant movement why would that be temporal like isn't it more like there's something in that movement or in that in that cut that takes us out of time and i think mm-hmm. you know Deleuze has no way to think that and i think uh, badu does like that the event is out of time and and for Deleuze, there's no that that just doesn't make any sense mm-hmm. i think mm-hmm. and that's you know that's the whole but he Again, could easily, but he could easily get there, and that's why he could get there. Yeah, there. yeah, I, I yeah. I think that's, I, yeah. Th- that's probably. I mean, I yeah, I, I would say that's a. I know this, this turned into like a quasi Baju episode, but I, I sort of like like just this like last like wh- where we've ended up, which is like like this is how does like the the, the I don't know because um, you brought up Nightwing, so I'll just phrase it this way: like Baju's origin story is like maybe seeing this tension in. Uh, in, yeah, although yeah, but and, yeah. I I think he gets the term event from from Deleuze, but God, almost l- so little else, right? Because yeah, okay. yeah. because although I don't know, I mean that would be an interest. Someone could write an interesting book about that because the other thing they have in common is that they both have this allergy to the negative, right? Like mm-hmm. that's why mm-hmm. Badu, like the thing he he and Slavoj, the thing they go back and forth on all the time is death drive. Like he just, he just refuses to acknowledge anything like death drive. And, and for him event, like the event can never be negative. So Holocaust can't be an event, right? It has Mm -hmm. to be, there's this weird kind of like progressive ontology in Badu's Mm -hmm. thought that there, that somehow events have to be progressive and like why in the world would that be right like that just seems like kind of crazy like why it's almost like history knows we can only go forward yeah yeah i've always thought like my god that's just really strange like that's and it's it's putting intentional it's like putting intentional design into into history right 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 although of course he doesn't he doesn't believe in God or anything. No, but, no, no, no. But, but, yeah. but yeah, but there, and it's all implicit. It's right. It's mm-hmm. implicit. So he never would argue that explicitly. But I, I, I have always, I, I, I once met him and I, I wanted to, I wanted to ask him that, but I didn't want to, then I, I just, I chickened mm-hmm. out. So I, well, <laughs> we were having a nice dinner and it just seemed why, like a why ruin it? Why, thing to say. Yeah, yeah. Why ruin it by saying that uh, he's coaching the result? Right. Yeah. Plus, the, plus, yeah. I was staying with uh, Ken Reinhardt, who's his real good friend, and oh, I thought yeah. he wouldn't let me stay the night if I if I was prickish at dinner. So, uh, listen, Todd, you need to leave the state of California. Uh, you're not yeah, allowed yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. That would have been it. That would have been it. So. Oh man, that's funny. Okay, so um, for the, I mean, this is like the sort of ish the end of a normal episode, but these have, have gone a little bit longer. So, not I don't want to take too too much time, but. Um, uh, Let's think uh, about these two guys. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So let's think about, so, um, Slavoj Žižek writes this book, uh, that I think, um, I don't know, under read, under talked about. I don't I know. I think no. so compared to his other ones. Yeah, certainly. So, um, and this is his, um, bringing Deleuze into the, uh, fold into the Lacanian bosom. <laughs> uh, Good use and, of the word fold there because that's his book on Leibniz. Oh, that, oh, you yeah. know what? Sometimes we transcend ourselves. That's yes. <laughs> so um, the yeah. So the book is uh, organ, organs without bodies, uh, right? This reversal and what um, Zizek goes heavy on the claim that 
Deleuze is guatarized and right. that in, in the middle period of, but, but that the, the, the real Deleuze is in difference in repetition and in logic of sense, which are two books that Zizek has a lot of affection for. And in this book, um, how he redeems and brings, uh, you know, uh, Deleuze into back toward Lacan is to say there's a, um, untapped Hegelian influence in, in, in these two books. And that when, I mean, it's just, it's just a little bit similar to what he says about Lacan, right? Like that at the, the moment when Lacan thinks he's rejected, uh, Hegel, he's most Hegelian. Um, right. and I think he does the same thing here. Only I buy that argument a lot more about Lacan than I, yeah, I yeah. think I do. I, I think this, I mean, what do you think? Do, do you, um, I think it's completely wrong. Uh, just okay, completely so you, wrong. I think okay, it's, uh, yeah. I think this is a good book on Hegel, mm-hmm. uh, but I think it's not a book on Deleuze. I just think okay. it's just not. I mean, like, look, for one thing, you're right. Like, so he, he everything bad about Deleuze gets attributed to Guattari. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing, which I think is wrong, because I think, as we've said before, that there's a kind of consistency to his thought. Mm-hmm. Um, he likes the idea of death drive in Deleuze, but he makes Deleuze's notion of death drive his own notion of death drive. Okay. Which is right, which is yeah. which is a radical tendency of the living organism to maintain its state of tension. Well, that's not mm-hmm. what Deleuze thinks. So that's no, Deleuze does that, not think that. So that's strange. Um, and then and then you know he thinks. Then he says this this important point. He says authentic fidelity is fidelity to the void itself, to the very act of loss. Mm-hmm. Now, how can that be in a book on Deleuze? I just don't I don't mm-hmm. get that. And and then. And then there's this whole like praise of repetition that Deleuze praises repetition, but that the new can only emerge through repetition, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. But he understands repetition in his own way, mm-hmm. Slavoj, not in the way that Deleuze understands right. it. So I feel like that's a real problem too. So I, I think this is one of those books, if I was a Deleuzean reading this, I'd be like, just no fair. Like you've yeah. you've like taken You've you've just translated him into something acceptable for yourself, and then written and then that. said he did it, <laughs> and said he did that. Yeah, and I yeah. just think he didn't yeah. do that. And and I think if I was Deleuzean, I would much prefer just a straight out attack than than this appropriation that's that has to violate the the thinker, right? Like yeah. I don't know. I, 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 I don't it, know. That's just. Uh, I mean, we yeah we we talked we talked about this a little bit in the last episode that like for when when Deleuze is like, okay, it cannot be repet. Okay. Repetition for Slavoj, just to say it plainly repetition for Slavoj is the failure to repeat. Right. That that's repetition for, for Slavoj. Um, that's not, that's not Deleuze's repetition. Otherwise the title of the book doesn't make any sense. Right. No repetition is difference for, for Deleuze. Right. Yeah. Repetition is the way in which difference is articulated. Yeah. So, it's not the repetition of a failure. Mm-hmm. No, and, and every repetition, because it's pure difference, is success. Mm-hmm. Like, the Deleuze is a philosopher of success, and Slavoj yeah. is a philosopher of failure, and there's mm-hmm. just no, I don't think there, there's no way that the twain shall meet. I just don't buy it. I don't think, you know, like, like that whole, like, fail again, fail better that he gets yeah. from Beckett, like, mm-hmm. that's not a Deleuzean like Deleuze, there, there, the failure is impossible because there's no negation in his in his thought, right? Like there's only 
there's only like in bad encounters. There's no mm-hmm. negative. There's a bad encounter of of differences that don't connect, that don't that don't congeal with each other, right? But there's not a I don't know. There's not a there's not a there's not a negativity. There's not an inherent failure of something, which mm-hmm. is I think Slavoj thinks everything fails inherently on its own right. terms. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, this is, is I mean, this I mean, Slavoj talks about this in that book is that like. Um, I mean, I think this is one of the axes upon which his reading of Deleuze turns is that like he he thinks that Deleuze has misunderstood negation of the negation as to meaning a like as a a, just a a simple synthesis. Right. And I mean, which like that that is wrong, but I don't know that that's necessarily how like like that 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 implicitly says that. Uh, that Deleuze has an argument of, of negativity uh, yeah. that, I don't know, maybe that's a, um, that's, I mean, I, I suppose that is, that is, uh, that is uh, the bedrock of, I think, Zizek's position in, in bringing, so like, so, so Zizek doesn't make uh, Deleuze more Lacanian, he makes him more Hegelian. And Hegelian, that's, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Which is interesting because that's the opposite of what Schuster does, right? Like Aaron right. Schuster in Trouble with Pleasure isn't trying to reconcile Deleuze with Hegel because I think he thinks you can't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's trying to reconcile him with Lacan, right? Like, so right. that's the, maybe that's the, the way we can see the difference between those two books. And I think both are not, I like both, I, but I think both mm-hmm. just fail totally um, as, in terms of what they're trying to do. Maybe I shouldn't have been too bald about saying that. But, but uh, you will have to see these people eventually. I will have to see them again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that, but I do think. I, I mean, I think they're both. I did think I said they're both good books before that. But you um, did. You did say that. Uh, no, no. But, well, no, and of course, and failed, and uh, just. I mean, anybody listening, failed doesn't mean bad. It's just like no, no. I mean, like, but but failed. They don't. They don't. I don't think they convincingly to me make Deleuze into this figure that they want to try to make him into. I guess that's what I think. Like, and, and, and I, again, I think this is a minority report among uh, people that we're friends with. Like I think Joan and, and I know Slavoj likes Aaron's book quite a bit. And obviously he (laughs) believes in his own book. Um, And, and, and Alenka, I think they, I think most of them think there's this conjunction between uh, Deleuze and Lacan. But I I guess for me, I, I don't know. I think you have a better take on, on the Schuster book than I do. So why don't you oh, okay. yeah, articulate well, I, that? Yeah. Cause I think what to me, and I think work, this actually applies yeah. to Slavoj's book as well. Right. Okay. Yeah. I, I, yeah. So structurally, like I think, and I'm going to give an example, like I think to make it work, uh, one, there are two things one has to do like, or, or at least this is what Schuster and Zizek do is that like, the, there's a collapsing of, of terms. There's, there's a, there's a making a homology that, um, actually negates in a common sense the tension between the, the two terms. Uh, and this, you can see that, so what, um, it's elegant in the how Schuster sets it up, like how he wants to talk about um, Deleuze uh, with Lacan is that like, um, Lacan has asked of, uh, what does he say of this? Uh, this is, so this is page 43 of uh, Schuster's book. In a key passage from Seminar 13, Lacan brings the uh, two aspects together. Like, well, he throws down a gauntlet to philosophy. I would defy any philosophy whatsoever to account to us at present for the relationship between the emergence of the signifier and this relationship of being to jouissance. And this is 
how he brings them together. He brings them together on the level of enjoyment, which is why the title of his book is A Troubled Pleasure. Right. Um, and now there's a problem, and it seems like, and I think he recognizes what the problem is. Um, we've, I think, said this like so far, the, the, and, and this goes along with, this goes along with the body uh, without organs. This goes along with the like. You're you're not you're not taking the list seriously if you put a subject there, right? And you're not taking Lacan seriously if you pretend that the subject's not a problem, like in again, or that the bringing, subject doesn't exist, right? Like yeah, it becomes a, a bit of an a bit of an an, an issue, yeah. I think. And I think this is the bedrock: is like subjectivity is the deadlock, and and like as much as. Deleuze and Lacan may have similar interests or as much as there, you know, is overlap in, in, you know, just objects that they treat like, like the, the subject is a, that is a hard, that is an impasse. Yeah. And, and the subject is a, is a constraint that Deleuze forever is trying to get out of. Well, because he thinks it's a molar construction, right? Like, like that's the big thing, right? Like, and, and a lot of people objected to our, Failed to, failure to understand uh, Deleuze and Guattari's understanding of desire because they thought we constantly molarized it, right? Like the whole point is that it's molecular. And mm-hmm. so when you're trying to reconcile the two, like, look, sorry, Lacan's subject is a molar subject, right? It's yeah, big. Yeah. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's, it's cut, it's divided, but it is nonetheless not these little it's not these little pieces of a subject, right? Right. Which is, and like I, I phrased it in the, in the previous episode, like what Deleuze and, and Guattari and Deleuze before and after is, um, you know, invested in is a, an, an egalitarianism of desubjectivation. Like it, it's a desubjectifying, like, uh, I don't know. I don't want to make him out to be like a utopian kind of thinker, but like the, the way that he thinks of, uh, we didn't even talk about this phrase in cinema. We'd mentioned in the other episodes, but like the, any place wherever as this like kind yeah, of freedom, yeah, like yeah. the, again, and like the, like the, again, the, the freedom of the nomad and, and like the, this, like this kind of molecular freedom, like, like subjectivity is a prison. So you, so it's just for, for, for Deleuze and, like that's the like so like I I think like uh, that he I think he actually took um, Lacan really seriously and was like you know what you're I think you're right there uh, there's no, that like e- like as I I said in the last episode like even within chance relations there's an internal order to it I am kind of scandalized by this I do not like it I am gonna find a way out and I right. think he dedicates his whole project is that and I, and and so. So, uh, Zizek doesn't really, he doesn't confront this problem of the subject in, uh, organs without bodies. Uh, right. Like I'm not, I'm no, not no, not at missing all. Anything. Not at all. Okay. No, 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 no. So in Schuster's book and I like Aaron a lot, he and I, this is not an interesting story, but it's an interesting phrase. He and I accidentally crashed a HIV AIDS benefit together, right, which maybe right. sounds really funny. And, uh, I was a little horrified when it turns out that that's what we had done. But, <laughs> I mean, we both left, I think that to, yeah. to make us both good people. But, um, so anyway, I know Aaron, I met him. I like Aaron. So this isn't like hard, it's not a pot shot or, or, or personal or anything like that. But right. it seems to me that he's aware 
of the problem of subjectivity between them. Because after he sets up his prod, his, his book, and, and, and he, again, it's at the level of enjoyment, it's at the level of pleasure, uh, at, at the end of the introduction, the big uh, chapter one, just a couple pages later, uh, subtitle after beyond uh, the beyond of the pleasure principle, the subtitle of this section is uh, subjectivation without subject. Okay. So acknowledging this sort of issue and there's a key passage, I think key for the whole project on page 49. And uh, so he's talking about um, uh, Lacan and the the subject as Lacan understands the subject. And so I'm, this is going to be a little lengthy. So I apologize if that's again, if it's bad radio, um, okay. uh, Lacan speaks not only of the bard subject, again, page 49, like halfway down. Lacan speaks not only of the bard subject, the subject split by language, but also of another arguably more radical kind of subjectivity or proto-subjectivity, which forms the other side of the symbolic order and it's lacking or hold structure. This is the strange headless subject of the drive rooted in the gaps and orifices of the body, circulating around corporeal partial objects that confound any clear distinction between inside and outside, self and other. And now we have a block quote separated, and this is uh, Lacan being quoted. The object of the drive is to be situated at the level of what I have metaphorically called, I being Lacan, I have metaphorically called a headless subjectivation, a subjectivation without subject, a bone, a structure, an outline, which represents one side of the topology. The other side is that which is responsible for the fact that a subject, through his relations with the signifier, is a hold subject, H-O-L-E-D. And then this is Schuster again. Deleuze's entire philosophical enterprise might be seen as an extensive elaboration of this notion of headless subjectivation or subjectivation without subject. Paradoxical formulations that aptly characterize the sprawling universe of impersonal individuations and pre-individual singularities, which difference in repetition makes its privileged object of study. So, uh, well, actually, you know what, maybe just one more. Uh, As I shall argue, the split between Lacan and Deleuze can ultimately be understood as a different theoretical approaches to what is for each similarly double-sided topology, a topology which is strongly linked to the impossible synthesis of the two aspects of the Freudian metapsychology, the speaking subject and the drive machine but also has much wider implications and reference points. So, okay, that I think on its face, I think that sounds convincing. And there's a, there's an academic sleight of hand here (laughs) that I, that I will, again, that I, that I will, uh, in praising language, I will call elegant, but there's a sleight of hand here. Um, if you follow, (laughs) if you follow the reference, okay. Um, to the back of the book and you see, Oh, cause I read this and uh, like, I read this book before and in prepping for these episodes, I was reading that and I was like, I don't remember Lacan saying that. That's like, that's crazy. And I went to the back. I wanted to see where he said this. And it's from seminar 11, which I've read many times. I was like, what really? And then it says, so, so seminar 11, uh, you know, Jacqueline Miller editor translated Alan Sheridan, semicolon translation modified. And I thought, ooh, translation modified. How, what's it, so here's, um, here's what Lacan says. Uh, and again, this is, it's translation. This is also, to be fair, this is what, this is what Alan Sheridan says that Lacan said from what Jacqueline Miller said is what the text, you know, so there's like a whole thing with that. So I accept right. that completely. Uh, but this is in, 
but Aaron's not referencing like other transcripts. He's referencing this book and he's modifying the translation that Sheridan did. Okay. And so this is how Sheridan translates this. Um, and this is based on a question that Miller asks him, uh, in the, uh, the lecture that's called the partial drive in its circuit. Mm -hmm. Uh, the question concerns the relation between the drive and the real and the differences between the, the object of the drive, that of fantasy and that of desire as page 184. Uh, in the current editions of the book. And Lacan says this, the object of the drive is to be situated at the level of what I have metaphorically called a headless subjectification, a subjectification without subject, a bone, a structure, an outline which represents one side of the topology. The other side is that which is responsible for the fact that a subject, through his relations with the signifier, is a subject with holes. These holes come from somewhere. Um... And then this, the, just a couple sentences later, uh, or sorry, this is the next sentence. In his first constructions, his first networks of signifying crossroads to become stabilized, Freud was reaching towards something that in the subject is intended to maintain to the greatest possible degree what I have called homeostasis. This does not simply mean that the crossing of a certain threshold of excitement, but also a distribution of ways. Freud even uses metaphors that assign a di uh, diameter to these ways, which permit the maintenance, the ever equal dispersal of certain investment. And so it's about... That, that, anyway, that's just like kind of fuller context. Yeah. And it's just to kind of pull this together. What, um, <laughs> what happens in, in, in Schuster's book to get, I think to grapple with this deadlock is he kind of elides it in this way. And to even to translate subjectification as subjectivation sounds a lot more like Deleuze, uh, than Lacan normally sounds. Um, but it's also, uh, what he's talking about in that the way that, that Schuster has it set up is it, it, it seems like this is Lacan talking about the subject, but this is him talking about the object. Right. I mean, isn't that the yeah. whole thing, right? Like, yeah. like, and, and so where is the duality? Like, where is the, like the headless subject is the subject of the signifier, right? Like, yeah. like yeah. I don't get how, how Aaron gets this, like he, he, he kind of manufactures this duality when Lacan is talking about the objects of the drive. Mm -hmm. And, and I think you're right. Yeah. There's this kind of slow elision from the object into the subject. Mm -hmm. Right. And then, then all of a sudden the subject, there become these two subjects, the one, this headless subject and the other, the subject of the signifier. But I think there just aren't two subjects for Lacan. There's just yeah. the subject of the signifier, which is also the subject of the drive. Like you can't, it's like the attempt to separate drive and desire, right? Like, yeah. look, they're basically the same structure related to in a different way. They're not, they're not these two separate things that you go like, oh, once I was in, it's like once I was lost, now I'm in found. Once I was in desire, now I'm in drive. No, they're right. the, they're just two different ways of relating to the same structure. And so, I don't know. I feel like that's the like to to think that there's this other subject there that mm -hmm. Deleuze is really paying attention to. For one thing, it, it it sells Deleuze short because he doesn't. There's no subject at all for Deleuze. Right. Yes. Right? Again, again. Right. So it, it bastardizes his thought, but it also I think has to distort. Lacan to create this, you know, horrible synthesis <laughs> of the two, right? Like, I think yeah. that that's what, that's what that, that's what, that's what it, there is there. Yeah. And it's a, well, like, it's kind of a, it's a bummer to me because I think, because this is to me, like, I think, like, I, I think Aaron knows, like, this is the question. Like, right. how do you put them together when they have like diametrically opposed views on the subject? 
like right. and and subjectivity and i to, to me it reads like an acknowledgement but a just like just an elision and and like a just kind of moving by the 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 problem uh and i would i don't know it, it, like that's where it ends up being like a bummer for me cuz like i would like i'm like i'm I'm a, I don't know. I consider myself a willing reader. Like, like I'll go, I'll go with you. But like, like I, I would have, you know, that, that argument, I think it needs to be made. Right. And I don't, and, and, and like, like I, again, it's already like, I understand the project is we're going to, we're going to compare them on the level of, of enjoyment. And as he says, like, cause he takes that line from seminar 13 and, um, and, and being, but he kind of, he makes it an ontological thing and not a subjective thing. And so because it's because we're talking at the level of ontology and enjoyment, it, I think that it, it enables the, the project not to like get down in the, the, the dirt of this deadlock, which I right. think has to be. And again, you know, it's not just him like Zizek did, did not do that either. And right. I, I, I as far as I. I don't think Alenka um, does it either in her attempt to marry the two. Right. In yeah. The, I, it just it just seems like it's one of those. It's not like special pleading, but I just but I, I just I think it's. I, I understand why there are like why there are, are parts of, of each that like different like different people find like really interesting and it yeah. just seems like oh man but why can't I just talk about them the same and it's like it's like stupid stupid rules <laughs> like why I should know. that be the way well, I just think yeah. yeah sometimes you need a knife and sometimes <laughs> you need tape you know like I don't yeah. know I feel like there's sometimes you just have to make the cut because yeah these two things can't be reconciled you know and that I think that's what I think that's our conclusion of Deleuze and psychoanalysis, right? So, yeah, which yeah. means I we mean, don't I, I, ever have to talk about Deleuze again. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, yeah, I mean, like, I'm sure. No, I'm just kidding. I'm, kidding. I'm sure it'll come up. I mean, I did. Yeah. I did want to say, like, I, I think that. Um, I, I mean, I, I think that there, there's, there's, if if anything, like, it's not a, um, it's a deadlock that's not, it's not that's not been remedied, and like maybe. Maybe the answer is like I mean I, I feel pretty convinced the answer is like you can't do it but like I haven't written that book right that right. showed right. that you can't do it so right. so there's that and then I mean maybe someone could come along and, and find something that yeah uh, that but I but I just think like it, it means it means someone is is losing something right like it means that we're right. you're losing multiplicity or you're losing a university of substance um, or you're making it out like well because Lacan talks about the subject in such a like cracked and, and uh, you know, uh, to have fun with language in the way that he would a holistic as in a whole holistic Mm -hmm. way um, that it's, that's actually closer to multiplicity. Right. That's the same thing as a larval subject. Yeah. It's not right. Yeah. yeah. It's very, right. It's very, it's very different. So like they're, they're just, they're, they're compromises that have to be made that I, think mean that someone is making the argument you know what i mean like like it's yeah. not like i think like this is like like schuster's argument is good but lacan and deleuze are not saying the same thing you know what right. i mean like like right. like zizek's argument is interesting but that's not deleuze right it, i agree just, with that yeah right. yeah right. so right. so um and i and i think that that like that happens like I don't know, like, like, does it give authority to the argument? It's like, no, look, I'm pulling this together. And like these people, they're, they're really saying this thing. And I've like just discovered it. And I just, I, I don't know. It's fine to just be like, look, they're not saying the same thing, but these things are a little bit similar. And here's what I'm going to do. Here's what is, I'm going to do. Right. And, and yeah. we both, I think, like the conclusions drawn in trouble with pleasure and in bodies without organs. So 
organ oh, stuff. I just switched yeah, yeah. it around. Yeah, yeah that's, that's funny. funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, and yeah. just a couple, so a couple um, recommendations, like other things, like uh, for um, so. Uh, we both know and have been on uh, Cooper Cherry's uh, podcast. Who he's been doing uh, like a a like a chapter by chapter reading of um, Machinic Unconscious, and he often talks with uh, Taylor Adkins, the uh, translator of the work. Um, right. So for uh, definitely like like an an endorsement of for folks that want um, more uh, Guattari, like I mean uh, he's doing that, and I, I think the the episodes are really great and and. Uh, they have great discussions on it. So I can, I want to endorse that. And I also want to, um, here's, uh, another endorsement. It's very, I think Deliz would like this cause it's very obscure a friend of mine from grad school. And uh, these links, I'll put them in the, I'll give them to you to put in the show notes, Todd. Um, a uh, friend of mine from grad school had a uh, project called a uh, slow reading where he had a blog where he just read every page <laughs> and he wrote of, uh, difference in repetition. And uh-huh. he just, and he wrote like, uh, he just, like looked at each page and like uh, went through like what's going on here, what's being said, what what are the what are the consequences, like like what are what are the references, like this whole thing. He never finished the book uh, because um, he uh, you know just job stuff and and like life and work, like you know whatever. But um, it's I think and it's an impressive document. I think he started in twenty thirteen. It's been a couple of years since he updated it, but it's a really I, I, to me I think it's an interesting process. Uh, project it's just called slow reading and uh the uh scholar uh friend named ben hagen what's up ben if you're ever listening to this um and uh, he's a great uh modernist terrific reader of uh, virginia wolf uh so but anyway this was a project he did he started in grad school and then extended afterwards so i think i don't know people might find that interesting as well and didn't you want to also recommend dark Deleuze? oh yeah so i uh, it's, I think for both of us, right. It's on like, it's done on the, the, the long list, like yeah. the long reading yeah. list. Someday. Um, yeah, yeah. And so he's also been on, uh, so th- that's, uh, Andrew Culp, who's also been on, uh, Cooper's, uh, podcast, um, as well. And, uh, yeah, so he, I think there were some things you were saying earlier that, uh, that I think his project tries to, uh, work with, which is like actually source, like redeem and, um, actualize a, a, a negativity in right Deleuze. of Deleuze. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, Which is why um, people like that book a lot, I think. Yeah. 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 I think so too. Yeah. And, um, yeah. so I think that's, I, I haven't read it, so I can't give it an endorsement, but I recommend it because it, I mean, people yeah. really like it. And yeah. I mean, like, you know, we, we traffic in the same circles. So plus um, Amazon must think that I should read that book because it always shows up <laughs> on, on the books that I should read. So that's awesome. Uh, good, yeah. good for the algorithm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> What's the lesson though? I think the lesson is, Watch what's uh, last year at Marion bad, right? Like Ooh, that's the yeah. That's a good. That's a good lesson. Yeah, I like that. That's a. That's <laughs> a. We both, I think, think highly of that film, right? Mm, like, mm, I don't know if yeah, you have it as high as I do. I think it's like a top five all time film. So really, yeah, yeah. I yeah, don't know. Like, it's one of those I can watch almost monthly and still enjoy, even though it's it's it, in another way it's kind of boring because nothing happens. But I, I find it just <laughs> riveting. Um, so it's it's your my Star Wars then as in the right, first one. Yeah, right, I got it. Right, yeah. Right, right. Interesting. Interesting. All right, over and out, Ryan. <laughs> over and out, Todd. <laughs>